We are what we eat, right? I have friends who are like junkyard dogs. They chow down on CNN, Facebook, and any other stinky trash they run across. This post took 18 hours to research and rewrite. You need 10 to 15 minutes to read it. To my friend's credit, it isn't easy to find healthy fare these days. But if you stick with me, I'll show you where you should feed your mind. Until recently, I was angry and had lost all respect for those blue pillars. They refused to, quote, get it. And I thought this meant they were bribed, which is corrupt, or afraid, which is cowardly. I thought, you cannot wake someone up who's pretending to be asleep. Some seem to have been fooled because they were stupid, but this was not the case for most. Matthias Desmet, a Belgian psychologist, says, quote, mass formation is what explains the world's bizarrely compliant behavior. Here's a summary. Mass formation is a type of group hypnosis with mid-20th century roots. Once it develops, about 30% of the population is easily captured. 10% remains unhypnotized. My note, this is higher by now. The majority, 60%, feel there's something wrong, but go along because they don't want to stand out or cause trouble. The leaders advance the narrative. Many of them are also hypnotized, but others understand the lies, but go along with them to gain power. Waking up the compliant 30% is nearly impossible. Working with a skeptical majority can be successful. If no one speaks out, these situations may devolve into tyranny and even genocide. Nonviolence is the best strategy. Armed uprisings can be disastrous. Here's the background. In February 2020, at the beginning of the corona crisis, Desmet studied the COVID virus statistics. He could tell that the danger was overrated. Stanford's John Ioannidis and several other world-famous statisticians agreed. Desmond wrote a paper to explain the mistakes. But he found that people didn't want to hear about it. They were incapable of distancing themselves from their beliefs and had lost their ability to evaluate new data. He became convinced that this situation was a large-scale mass formation. Shockingly, affected people are sometimes willing to sacrifice everything that is important to them, their health, their wealth, and even the health and future of their children. Some stigmatize and try to destroy people who do not go along. Desmet describes how this mass or crowd emerges and what can be done about it. He says that it is possible to prevent the masses and their leaders from becoming so fanatically convinced of the story that they start to attack people who do not, do not comply. Here are the history and the mechanisms. Mass formation type group hypnosis always precedes the rise of totalitarian states. Desmet writes that classical dictatorships are psychologically primitive. People in these societies are frightened of the small number of people running the country. Modern totalitarian states, in contrast, arise from a different mechanism. These did not exist before the 20th century and are based on this mass formation or mass hypnosis. It first happened just before the formation of the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany. More recently, it occurred with COVID. Sophisticated propaganda tools capable of hypnotizing large numbers were used in each case. 
although the current totalitarianism is global rather than regional, and the information war more sophisticated, the basic dynamics are the same. Hypnotists start by distracting a subject's attention from the world around them. Then, using a hypnotic suggestion such as a simple story, they focus attention on one thing such as a pendulum or their voice. From the perspective of the hypnotized person, reality seems to vanish. This has been used successfully to even render people insensitive to pain during surgery. The targeted person's mental focus becomes so intense that they do not notice that they are being cut. In the same way, it doesn't matter how many people are injured by the COVID measures because the focus is on COVID. Everything else appears to have vanished. In some countries, people could be imprisoned for not wearing a mask and the hypnotized might not raise an eyebrow. Children might die from starvation and friends commit suicide from financial desperation, but the impact on those with mass formation might be minimal. To them, the plight of others may not register. For example, COVID jab deaths and injuries are seldom recognized as caused by the shot. Some people might even get the injection, suffer massive injuries and say, quote, thank goodness I got it or, I would, or it would have been so much worse. I've even seen people express gratitude when somebody they love died within hours or days of being injected. Recently, the Sudden Adult Death Syndrome, SADS, has been invoked to explain this away, but SADS has never been documented in the unvaccinated. Likewise, SIDS, which is Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, does not seem to happen without prior childhood vaccinations. Quote, even this is Desmond, quote, even when I knew, know the mechanisms at work, I'm still baffled every time it happens. I almost can't believe what I see. I know someone whose husband died a few days after the vaccine during his sleep from a heart attack, and I thought, now she will open her eyes and wake up. Not at all. She just continued in the same fanatic way, even more fanatic, talking about how happy we should be because we have this vaccine. Unbelievable, yes. Psychological explanation. The conditions that need to exist in order for mass formation to arise are widespread loneliness and lack of social bonding, which leads to experiencing life as meaningless, purposeless, and senseless, and or being faced with persistent circumstances that don't make rational sense, which leads to widespread free-floating anxiety and discontent, that's anxiety or discontent that has no apparent or distinct cause, which leads to widespread free-floating frustration and aggression, which is frustration and aggression that has, have no discernible cause, which results in feeling out of control. Once a large enough proportion of society feels this way, the whole country becomes vulnerable to mass hypnosis. Desmet explains further. If people are anxious without knowing the reason, they feel out of control and are unsure whether they can protect themselves. Under these conditions, if a media narrative is distributed about some object of anxiety and a strategy to deal with it is promoted, then the free-floating fears may connect. What develops might be a willingness to use the advertised strategy, no matter how absurd, even if the idea can claim, could claim more victims than the object of anxiety itself. 
even then there might be a willingness to participate. That is the first step of every mass formation. Whether it is concerned the Crusades or the witch hunts or the French Revolution or the beginning of the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany, the same mechanism has occurred. With the free-floating anxiety, a story and a proposed strategy, the anxiety connects to the story and the strategy. People who feel lonely, anxious, and out of control start to participate. Then a new social bond emerges. This reinforces the mass hypnosis, and they no longer feel as isolated and lonely. Social bonding is generally positive, but in this case, it is destructive because the free-floating frustration and aggression are still present and require an outlet. If people lose their inhibitions, their negative emotions will be directed against someone. Just like during the pandemic, they may lash out against those who have not been hypnotized. Normal bonds are between individuals. This one, though, is between the individual and the collective, which is pathological. It creates a feeling of fanatic solidarity, but without personal loyalties. The result, those outside the group may be remorselessly sacrificed for the, quote, greater good. This explains why everybody is talking about solidarity during the pandemic, but if someone had an accident, few would help unless they had a surgical mask and gloves. Many people also accepted that hospital visits were not allowed, even if their father or mother were dying. The situation produced paranoia, and some were even willing to report their loved ones to the government. This theory also explained, explains what happened during Iran's revolution. At the start of this totalitarian regime, a woman who was there witnessed a mother reporting her son to the government, and she helped put the rope around her son's neck to hang him. She claimed this made her a heroine. So here's the 20th century context. Nazi Germany was destroyed by other countries, but we are facing a different situation today. The totalitarian arising, the totalitarianism arising now has no external enemy. Our own citizens are the only ones who can help prevent it. As described by George Orwell in his book 1984, Totalitarian countries need an external enemy, something the state can use to focus the aggression of the hypnotized masses. This might make the state more likely to self-destruct. What we can do. According to Desmond, violent resistance provides a target for the regime's aggression, so resistance from within has to be nonviolent. Speaking out in a clear, rational, and non-aggressive way is best. Matthias Desmet explains, Mass formation is always provoked by the voice of the leader, which keeps the population in hypnosis. As dissidents continue to speak, they may not be able to wake up the masses, but they interfere with the hypnosis. Large-scale aggression by the regime becomes less likely. In the Soviet Union and in Nazi Germany, when the opposition stopped speaking out, the totalitarian system tightened. In 1930, in the Soviet Union, when the opposition stopped speaking out, within six to eight months, Stalin began his purges and killed tens of millions of people. In 1935, when the same happened in Nazi Germany, within a year, the system started to destroy its opponents. In each case, the opposition had been silenced and went underground. They thought they were dealing with a classical dictatorship. 
but they were dealing with something new, a totalitarian state. So these decisions were fatal. In the first stage, totalitarian systems attack those who do not go along with them. Later, they start to destroy everyone, group after group. In the Soviet Union, Stalin started by eliminating aristocracy, then small farmers, large farmers, goldsmiths, and Jews. The pretext was that these people would never become good communists. He later eliminated other groups without bothering with excuses. Hannah Arendt explains how totalitarian states devour their own children. She agrees that the destruction begins when people stop speaking out. At the start of the 20th century, several countries showed mass formation, but because of vocal dissidents, they never developed into full-fledged totalitarian states. Fortunately, the masses typically begin to destroy themselves before they destroy the people who do not go along. So internal resistance against totalitarian regimes is critical. The current leaders declaring today's narrative are hypnotized about transhumanism and technocracy. But many have known from the start that COVID was a fraud that was used to advance these agendas. In the end, the challenge is not to show people that the coronavirus was less dangerous than it was sold to us. Rather, it is that the transhumanist technocratic ideology is a disaster. We must show people that a transhumanist view of man and the world would radically dehumanize society. Desmond and Mercola are convinced that we are rapidly headed towards global totalitarianism and that things will get far worse before they get better. Why? Because we're only in the initial stages of the process. On the horizon, digital identity still looms large, and with that comes an unfathomably powerful control grid capable of breaking nearly anyone. The glimmer of hope from those who have studied mass formation and totalitarianism is that both are self-destructive and cannot survive. Totalitarianism refers to the system's ambition. Its goal is to eliminate individual choice, and that would destroy the core of what it is to be human, Desmond says. But the quicker a system destroys the individual, the sooner the system collapses. My comment, I'm not sure why this follows, and Desmond wrote a book, which I cite below, where you can learn more. Again, the only weapon against the brutal destruction of humanity is to push back, to speak out, to nonviolently resist. This may not stop totalitarianism in its tracks, but it can keep the most heinous atrocities at bay. It might provide a space where we can survive and even thrive in the midst of the totalitarian landscape. We will have to consider parallel structures which can allow us to be more self-sufficient. We can try to make sure that we don't need the old system as much. But these parallel structures would be destroyed in a moment if people do not continue to speak out. The future is unknown, but each of us has a role. We can build parallel structures, but if the system becomes too destructive and aggressive, these will unravel. As long as dissonant voices continue, we have a chance. Desmond's rough guess is that it will be seven or eight years before the emerging totalitarian system burns itself out and self-destructs. The final word from Joseph Mercola. As the search term mass formation exploded in popularity, 
Google responded by manipulating the search engine results in an attempt to discredit Desmond and show people in their search results information that would cause them to discount the importance of this work. Why? Because Google is at the core of the global cabal and movement towards totalitarianism. This post was condensed and shamelessly modified from Joseph Mercola's article about Matthias Desmet, whose new book is The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Since Desmet's Germanic style is stuffed with redundancy and even obfuscation, I simplified his prose as well. Any mistakes of meaning are mine. <laughs> 